First reading is from Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before this child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. The second reading is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Gail. Good morning. Well, friends, we are in a new sermon series entitled, What's in a Name? And this is our Advent sermon series. And so over the next couple of weeks, we'll look at those prophetic images and those foreshadowings and those voices all illuminating and illuminating the path until we get to Christmas where we celebrate the birth of the Christ child coming into our lives and coming into our hearts yet again and once more. This morning we look to the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, which in both Hebrew and Greek means God is with us. Will you pray with me? Holy and living God, we give you thanks for this day, that you have woken us up from our slumber and that you are here in our midst. So God, may our worship be pleasing as we adore you and as we share in our adoration towards you. May we be bound together in your steadfast love to know that there is a promise in the presence of your spirit with us. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. God, you are our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, amen. So what's in a name, right? What is in a name? This morning we look at the prophet Isaiah and to the gospel according to Matthew, and we hear that name, Emmanuel, which means God is 
Listen, I'm going to test you a couple of times today. So you already got an A so far, but we'll do it one more time. God is? You're getting A's all around. So what is in a name? From the Hebrew scriptures to the New Testament, there are these names that are attributed to Jesus. This morning we have Emmanuel, and we also have Prince of Peace, and Savior, and Word of God, and Messiah, and Light of the World. What about your name? What about the names of your children or folks in your family? Are there stories associated with those names? My middle name that I bear is the name of my great-grandfather. And my first name, and since we're in this sermon series on what's in a name, and I already brought it up, so now I have to tell you. It's, it's true, right? Yeah, it is true. I would rather not, but I really have to. <laughs> Jeffrey, are you ready? Jeffrey was one of my mom's Cabbage Patch dolls when she was growing up. Great. I'm named after a cabbage patch doll. Are you kidding me? So uh, since I found this out, I've resolved. I've made up my mind that I'm never naming any of my children Jeffrey because of that dang cabbage patch doll. As my wife, Alicia, and I were awaiting the arrival of our first child, we had picked out a whole slew of names, 50 names. And then we found out that the baby was going to be a boy, so that eliminated some of those names, which is good. And, and then the, the list grew to about 30 yet again. And as that due date approached, we began eliminating more names. Names have associations because of people who bear them, right? Um, and, and that's not a bad thing. With two weeks to go, we settled on four names that we felt could be used interchangeably. And we waited, and we waited, and we waited. The due date passed, and still nothing. Days went by, and then a full week, and the doctor had said, it is time. You're going to be induced. My friends, this baby was going to come whether we were ready or not. And likewise, the baby was going to come whether he was ready or not. And so on the way that night that we were about to be induced and get ready to meet this precious child, we had finally decided on the name. Xavier, we agreed. Upon uh, no underlying meaning, nothing really special. We just, we just liked it. We knew that the name meant friend or pal, and so we thought it was a great choice. And then what about the middle name? I said to Alicia, well, let's just wait. Maybe God will give us a sign. Who knows? Something might happen. And there it was. After uh, Xavier came out, greeted the world, they said he was a firecracker because he was born on the 4th of July. Yeah, whatever. He's a little fiery. But there it was. As the nurses placed him on the scale, there above the scale was the screen, and it said six pounds, eight ounces. I recalled the list in my head, and there it was, Micah, Micah 6.8. That's one of the foundational verses of our faith and one of my life verses as well. It says, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with God? So Xavier, meaning friend or pal, and Micah, meaning who is like God, a friend or a pal who is like God. That's a great name, right? Amen. He's in here. So, uh, And plus, I think so. I think that's a pretty great name. But it's amazing how God brings those things forth and into perspective, even when we don't expect it. 
This morning we hear from uh, both the prophet Isaiah and the gospel of Matthew about that name of Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God is... Amen. It was roughly 700 years before the time of Jesus, and there was this king named Ahaz. And he had ruled that southern kingdom of Judea, and as soon as Ahaz had become king, he was met with opposition. There were two kingdoms and two kings in the neighboring kingdoms that didn't like Ahaz. And those two kings joined their forces together to be about in opposition and to encroach in that southern kingdom of Judea. These other kings wanted to wage war against Ahaz. And so at the beginning of Isaiah chapter 7, we find that the Lord calls Isaiah to go and to warn Ahaz about this partnership between the two opposing kingdoms. And oh yeah, Ahaz, guess what? They're coming your way. But don't be afraid. God is with you. As a way of reassuring Ahaz, God wanted him and invited him to call for a sign. What is the sign that you want to know that I am with you throughout it all? Ahaz said, no, I, I will not test the Lord. I'm not going to ask for a sign. But what does God say? I'm going to give it to you anyway. As a way of reassurance and encouragement to Ahaz, God gives a sign. We're told that there's this young woman who would conceive and bear a child and they would be named Emmanuel. And before Emmanuel was old enough to tell right from wrong, the prophet says on God's behalf, before he was eating curds and honey, the cause for the king's fear would be eliminated, would be relieved, would be gone, would be forgotten. And this is the sign that Ahaz needed to hear and Ahaz needed to see, but he didn't think so. God showed it to him anyways. Sometimes our hearts can be like Ahaz, as hard. Our willingness to admit our own weaknesses are slight, and we need to hear again and again, and we need to acknowledge that God is with us. Even in those moments when we don't want to acknowledge our own neediness, our own obstinance, our own dependence, and yet God still comes and says, here I am. This sign that was given to Ahaz was something real and something tangible, pointing to something else. It was like a stop sign of sorts. Think of a stop sign. It is real, it is tangible, though some people ignore it, right? I'm sure you've all ignored a stop sign once in a while. But the stop sign is real and tangible. It's made out of metal or wood and paint. And it's something real that points to something else, a a marker on the road in which you are supposed to... I'm glad some of you know, and we do live in Virginia after all, where sometimes we ignore the signs. This child, Emmanuel, is supposed to be a a sign for Ahaz, a reminder about the promises and presence of God. And as a sign, every time Ahaz would see this child about, he would be reminded and reminded to know that God is with him and his kingdom. Not with his enemies, not with anybody else, but God is with him. So there's nothing to worry about. Some 700 years later, Matthew, knowing this text, knowing this prophetic word from Isaiah, sits back and he says, history is repeating itself. It's no longer the two opposing kingdoms that are encroaching on the kingdom in which Isaiah was foreshadowing. Now it's Rome. The Romans are at the gate, and it looks pretty fate for the home team. 
but not to fear. Matthew says a young woman will conceive and bear a child who is to be called God is with us. And he is Jesus. This child, Jesus, is to be a reminder of that God is with us no matter what happens. And we are not alone. Does that sound familiar to Isaiah? Our gospel lesson for this morning from Matthew begins by telling the story and retelling the story of Jesus' birth. And in the preceding verses, Matthew directs our attention to that genealogy of Jesus, showing how Jesus has come through this lineage of ordinary, faithful people. Some of the greats in the Jewish faith, like Abraham and Isaac and David. And then we get to Joseph. Matthew wants to make it clear that this is the way that Jesus' birth went down and no other way. We don't know much about Joseph other than what the scriptures tell us. And in this section of Matthew's gospel, we know that he is a son of Jacob, an ordinary man, a righteous man, and he was betrothed or engaged to Mary. And then verse 18 continues on and it says, all of this came into being, all of this came about. And before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, upon hearing of Mary's pregnancy, was likely disappointed and hurt and angry even. This was a time before the Maury Povich show was on the air. (laughs) But still, he was angry and disappointed and hurt. But Joseph chose not to act on those emotions. Joseph had compassionate empathy for Mary, and he even tries to find a way to dismiss her quietly, call off the engagement, and take the blame upon himself. His mind was made up. He was going to dismiss Mary quietly because he was a righteous man, and as our scripture passage puts it, he didn't want to expose her to public embarrassment, or worse, death by stoning, as the law states. So as the scripture continues, it says that Joseph planned to dismiss her quietly. But then a sign, an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream, reassuring her and reassuring Joseph that Mary did indeed conceive this child by the way of the Holy Spirit. The scripture says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The angel says, she will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. And then Matthew interjects this prophecy. All of this took place to fulfill what the prophet of the Lord had spoken. Look, a virgin shall conceive and bear a child, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is both children. The child that Isaiah prophesies about and the child that the angel speaks about to Joseph, both children are signs, are markers for their people. A sign that God is with them throughout it all. All of these signs point to God, God's presence with them, a sign that God has come to reconcile and redeem his people, a sign that God will come to save his people. Emmanuel, God is in this promise about the presence of God. We have this hope. Amen. We have this immutable voice. We have this blessed assurance, this blessed, steadfast assurance that God is with us even in the darkest of times, and God is with us even in the lightest of times. On his deathbed, as he was surrounded by his family and his friends, John Wesley, who was one of the pioneers of the Methodist movement, after battling a a short illness at the age of 88, 
He grabbed the family and friends' hands who were surrounding him on that day, and he kept saying, the best of all, God is with us. The best of all, God is with us. And he continued to repeat that again and again until he breathed his last. My friends, there is always hope because God is with us. Amen? But what do we do with it? Who cares? God is with us. Who cares? But what do we do with this hope? How can we do something real and tangible? We can't just say, listen, God is with us. Did you know that? God is with us. What do we do with it? How can we, how can we be real, tangible signs that God's kingdom is here on this earth, that God is present with us always in the hospital rooms and the surgical rooms? God is in our homes. God is in our cars driving to wherever the heck we're going. God is How can we be real, tangible signs that God is with us throughout it all? Our world needs some hope. Amen? It's not just about today. It's not just about yesterday. It's not just about tomorrow or 2,000 years ago for uh, Joseph or 3,000 years ago for Ahaz. God is with us, and we need to share that because our world needs hope always. Amen? How can we, as ordinary people and all, be bearers of that hope? To be present and to know and let others know that God is with us throughout it all. When I was serving a church in Southern Maryland, a group of church folk had come to me. And they asked, can we go caroling? I really don't like to sing, just to be honest. Maybe it's the whole cabbage patch thing, I don't know. So being a bit naive, I said, yes, let's do it. And I was excited and I wanted to encourage them. This was a ministry of the lay folk. And I wanted to say yes in my heart. I was saying, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. And so I planned it out. We, well, I called a list of, of shut-ins of, of homebound folks, about a dozen of them. And that I knew they would be receptive to having a van full of church folks show up and start singing, maybe off key, maybe on key, who knows, start singing in their front lawns or on their front porches. All planned out. We loaded up the church van. We arrived at the first house. The Christmas lights were on. We all filed out of the van. We were all on key for that time being. And we all assembled on the front porch and we began to sing, Oh, come All ye faithful. Before the first verse was over, the screen door swung open wide and this couple came out and they were just beaming, beaming and knowing that the church cared about them so much that the church showed up for them. And after our song set was over, they invited us in for some cookies and for some punch, which I am a fan of. So I will sing any day for some cookies and some punch. And this, this scenario repeated itself ten more times. More couples beaming. More people coming outside, gleaming, and, and with that great Christmas cheer. And more, you ready for it, cookies and punch. Praise the Lord. Yes. <laughs> cookies and punch. The last house that was on our list, we were all a little tired by the time we got there, and there were no lights on. But we got out of the van anyways. We assembled in the front yard of this house because there was no porch. We got on key for the time being. We started to sing, O come all ye faithful. 
verse after verse, nothing was happening. Nobody was beaming. We got to our third Christmas carol when all of a sudden we hear someone call out from behind the door, get off my lawn and stop singing those dang Christmas carols. So we left. We left. Get off my lawn. Stop singing those dang Christmas carols. Dang, you can fill in the blank. It was a little bit worse than that. Apparently, I had wrote down the wrong address. Because seriously, we weren't singing that bad. A few days had gone by, and we received the card in the mail from the person who told us, Get off my lawn and stop singing those dang Christmas carols. And the card said this, Merry Christmas. Really? (laughs) My sincerest apologies for acting like a Scrooge. It's been a hell of a couple weeks. My wife's been in the hospital, and I was in an automobile accident in the week before y'all showed up. I haven't been able to get to the hospital since the accident because I can't drive, nor do I have a car to drive. Nonetheless, I am grateful for the group of y'all who showed up to spread Christmas cheer. Thank you for giving me a sign of hope. Merry Christmas. I shared this with the church later that week, and so we showed up to the gentleman's house once more. (laughs) This time we didn't sing Christmas carols. We asked how we could help. We asked what we could do as the church. And in the weeks that followed, we organized transportation to and from the hospital. And a mechanic in the church even donated his labor and donated the parts in order to fix his car before the wife came home from the hospital. My friends, this is a sign of the kingdom of God. Amen? A sign of the most, that comes from the most unexpected of places. They said, Emmanuel, God is and making a difference and working among us. The prophetic words from Isaiah weren't about a hope that was far off in the futuristic distance. And likewise, the hope that the angel pronounced to Joseph wasn't a hope that was far off in the futuristic distance either. The hope was near. The hope was coming. The hope was like as close as a baby about to be born. The hope were signs and were markers pointing to something else. Something real, something tangible. My friends, I hate to break it with you, but Christmas is going to come whether you are ready or not. Likewise, Jesus is going to be born whether we are ready or not. But thanks be to God for these signs and these markers. And we don't need another sign because we have Jesus. And that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ Because God loved the world so much and sought to redeem the world so much to reconcile and restore that God sent his son, Emmanuel, Jesus, to be with us. Amen? The beauty of both of these signs, both to Ahaz and to Joseph and to even us, was that their minds were already made up. They had determined the route that they were going to go, their actions, and it's not really the actions that they wanted to do. Ahaz didn't just want to wait and wait for those enemy kings to to come and ravage him. No, he wanted to go and he wanted to fight and he wanted to besiege them. Joseph didn't want to dispose Mary. They were engaged. Joseph wanted to care for Mary. But God, God called them to another way. His way. 
God called them to put aside their own wills and their own wants and their own desires and to look to his will and to his way and to his desire. My friends, God calls us to that same way as well. To give up on our own wills and our own ways and our own desires and look to God's way. Amen? This Advent and this this week and this whole season, I want to invite you to look to a way other than your own. Look to the way of God. Look to the way of Jesus Christ. Put aside your own desires and look to God's way. Who knows? Maybe you'll get a sign. But in showing up, don't just do it in word, but do it in deed. And do it with your actions. Be a tangible, real reminder of God's presence that is here on this earth. Amen? You can even sing off key in someone's front lawn. That'll remind them that there is hope. Always and forever.